Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. All right, faithful. Welcome to another episode of the 49er Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. No Zane tonight, unfortunately, but I am hosting. I am, of course, Levin Black. I am joined by Rob Stats Guerrero, of course. We also have a special guest co-host tonight. You guys will know him well if you've listened to the show in previous seasons, and that is, of course, the original host of this show, Al Seiko. How are you doing tonight, Al? I'm doing good, Levin. How are you doing? It's actually Sacco. You came close, but um, <laughs> sorry, I think the listeners know that. Um, dude, this is fun, but um, it's it's weird, man. It's I'm I'm excited to be back on the show, but it's like I'm in my old house. Like somebody invited me in my old house. You know what I mean? Like it's it's great to be on here, but it's 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 a little weird to uh, have you guys on here and not have Zane. But I'll tell you what, I've been listening, and, and you guys have done such a great job. And I, I tell anybody who asks the show that it's still going strong and, and you guys are going awesome. And it's, it's just a must listen for any 49ers fan right now. Yeah. It's kind of the house that you built in a way, but uh, we have joined this season and we're trying to keep things going. Rob, how about you? How are you doing tonight? Horrible. What do you mean? How am I, how am I doing? <laughs> what have you been living under a rock for 24 hours? How am I doing? I'm miserable. I'm replaying that stupid game over and over in my head. Nonstop. How am I doing? Give me a break. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I kind of fall in between. I'm much better now than I was this morning, especially when I showed up to my day job this morning and had people who don't even watch football trying to uh, rub it in my nose. I hate that. (laughs) That is my pet peeve. If you're a true sports fan and you know what you're talking about, you can talk smack. If you don't even have a team of your own and you try to talk smack to me, I want to punch you in the face. (laughs) I, I hate that. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how you guys' mornings went. Rob, you obviously work with a bunch of people who truly know sports. Yeah, which is good and bad at times because, look, I love my job on every day except today. It's the second time I've had to do it now on Super Monday where you come in for one of the biggest shows of the year and all we got to talk about for two hours is how the 49ers gacked it up at the end of the game. And they did it in the Super Bowl against the Ravens and they puked on their shoes again yesterday. Yeah. And- let's just dive into it i want to get your guys's reaction i'll I'll share my own a little bit later i i, I want to get your guys's first what was your immediate reaction after the loss well for me I, i'll tell you it was just it wasn't that they lost it was the way that they lost this game just the utter collapse at the end and and i think the reason that they lost is in the fourth quarter they got away from their identity they didn't do the things that the 49ers did to win games all year. And, and that that's what was infuriating to me. And I don't know if it was, you know, Shanahan getting too cute. Uh, maybe the play, they were the right plays, but, but they weren't executed for whatever reason, but they just, they didn't do the things that they did all year. And you watch the collapse offensively. You saw it defensively. I mean, that defense guys, 10 points in the, into the fourth quarter. That's all the chiefs had. That's it. They were playing outstanding. They had shut down Patrick Mahomes, who was the best player in football. And then it just unraveled. You have the third and 15. And I remember watching that third and 15 pass when it was in the air. I said to myself, the Niners just won the championship because I said, there's no way that pass is going to be completed. 
the rush was coming and Mahomes looks like he just heaved it up and they hadn't given up a long throw all night. And I said, there's no way it's going to get completed. And lo and behold, there's Tyreek Hill standing with no one around him. And it just seemed that it was from there. It, it just snowballed. And it was just, it, it was just like, like watching like a Greek tragedy, just, just an utter collapse in this team that had been so good all year. This team that was really three plays away from being 18. No, just collapsed. And it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow today. And it, I think the team can come back. I, I don't believe they're going to be one of those Super Bowl teams that the next year they, they just fall apart. This team's built to win for a while. I believe that, but it, it doesn't make it any easier to swallow today. Yeah, you're right about Mahomes. After that second interception, he was 8 of 13 for 114 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and a passer rating of 129.5. It was incredible how that one play on third and 15 to Tyree Kill just seemed to completely ignite the Chiefs offense. And then the 49ers, I mean, defensively, it is one of the worst collapses I can ever remember this team suffering. I mean, 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. It's the second biggest fourth quarter lead lost in a Super Bowl ever, only behind Patriots-Falcons from a few years ago. I mean, that's how bad this was. And I know Patrick Mahomes is great, and he played great, but the defense has to take a huge part of the blame, whether it's the players themselves or Salah or both, whoever you want to put it on, this game lies at their feet. Yeah, it was a team effort. The collapse was a team effort, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. That is certainly true. But what was your immediate reaction, Rob? Were you in disbelief or or did it sink in right away to you or what? Right away. Complete, just like someone punched me in the gut. Couldn't, I just didn't speak. I was just lying back on the couch with my eyes closed and my hands over my face because it was just, you know, the 49ers did just enough to get you to hope. They, when they make that second interception of Mahomes and I tried to fight it, but my brain actually started wrapping around the idea like, we might actually do this. This, this could happen. And it was the same way I felt in the Ravens Super Bowl when Gore breaks that long run and gets him down to the six-yard line. And I'm thinking, we got four shots at this thing for the Super Bowl? Like, we're winning this thing. And right again, the rug was pulled out from under me, and I just couldn't believe that it was happening again. Yeah, I was the opposite. My immediate reaction, I, I think I was more in shock because we the Niners hadn't lost like that all season. Every single one of their losses were at the last second of the game, whether it was, you know, the field goal against Seattle in overtime or, or, you know, last second play against the Falcons or, or what have you. So to me, I just, I kept finding myself thinking, well, it's not over there. There's still more to come. And I even kept catching myself thinking that way, you know, the next day, you know, we are recording here on Monday night. So it's still that next day, which is why it's so fresh for us still you know, it's less than 24 hours since the game ended. But I found myself just thinking, well, they're going to have another chance and they'll complete it because that's what had happened all season. And we haven't had this loss before where it didn't come right at the end, where we had chances to win it and just didn't win it. So I just kind of sat there. I was actually able to get to sleep within a short while of the game because I think I was in shock. I wasn't quite in true turmoil yet. But other than that, how about what's going to stay with you about this game? What's the thing, whether it's a month from now, a year from now, that when this game unfortunately comes up, because I'm sure all three of us will probably prefer not to think about this game as as much as possible, but what's the thing that you're going to go back to? What's the thing that's going to pop in your head and you're going to feel? 
Well, they beat themselves, right? I mean, that's that's what's going to stick out to me. And if you look at the way that this game played out, it was kind of they were they were playing their game in the in the first half. The defense played terrific. I thought I, I really did. I thought they were tremendous. And offensively, they left some things out there. But it was sort of a Niners first half. They were running the ball okay, and Garoppolo was Garoppolo. He was being accurate, and he had the one bonehead throw that a lot of us thought was going to happen. I mean, it's 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 inexcusable, but it happened. They, but they were kind of playing playing their game, and then the Niners get a big stop at the end of the half. And, and guys, the thing that I know we're, we're going to talk about, and, and we have to, is is Shanahan's approach at the end of the half. I don't. I didn't agree with it. I don't agree with it. I think you have to be aggressive there. When he when he didn't call a timeout after they stopped them, and there was I think fifty nine seconds when they got the ball left, I said, okay, I see what he's doing. There's fifty nine seconds. There's three timeouts. There's plenty of time to get down the field, and by taking whatever the forty seconds off the clock, he kind of assured that Mahomes wasn't going to get the ball back and they can take their shot. That was what I thought he was thinking. But then what happens is he runs twice into the teeth of the Chiefs' defense. He didn't even you know do like do an end around with Samuel or something creative. It was just two runs in, into the teeth of the defense. And then from there, they throw a short pass to Wilson that, that Wilson broke and got a first down. And then he takes the shot with little time left. And, and people said then, well, well, he took a shot. Well, he did, but there was almost no time left. Even if that ball is intercepted, there's only like 14 seconds left. And yeah, there, there was a really, the, the offensive PI call was, was garbage. It really was. But to me, the, the Niners sat on the ball, so I, I couldn't get that upset about that. If they had been aggressive, they might have had some more time if something like that happened. So I, I don't, I, I still can't fathom that he did it. When you're playing a team like the Chiefs, you have to be aggressive. Every possession counts. Every single possession counts. And that's, that's when I said that they beat themselves, that, that was the start of it to me. That really was. When he did that, I thought it was deflating. But then they come out in the second half and, and they get that 20 to 10 lead. And again, they're playing Niners football. Jimmy was being accurate, although I think when we look at his stats, they were better than they really were because I think he was taking some easy completions when there were some some better throws to be made. An example is that third down pass to Coleman where they settled for a field goal when he had Kittle open. And there were a lot of plays like that that, Jim, that Jimmy just missed. He had guys open that, and he either took a shorter pass that they didn't get much out of or he just completely missed them. And Brian Baldiger actually did a great breakdown. If anybody wants to check it out on Twitter, where he showed these plays with Garoppolo, where they're like, oh, well, you know, Jones knocked the ball down at the line, but okay. But if he, if he makes it, if he just looks at his second read, somebody else is wide open. Another example why they beat themselves. And defensively, yeah, they, they broke down at the end. Absolutely. But if you asked me before the game, would you have signed up for the Chiefs having 24 points, which is essentially what they had before they scored the last touchdown at the end of the game? 24 points? I would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. Because the Niners scored 30 points in their sleep this year. This was only the fourth game in 19 games this season that the Niners scored 20 points or less. And, and two of the other games were, were in the rain against Baltimore and Washington. And the third game was the game against the Rams where they were in complete control. They didn't have to score. So again, just beating themselves, beating themselves, beating themselves is what they did. They settled. They settled at the end of the half. They settled for field goals. Garoppolo didn't make the throws. Shanahan, I thought, got too cute at the end. Nine runs or nine passes to only two runs in the last 11 plays. And, that, and that's the story of the game for me. This team had the Super Bowl in their grasp and they beat themselves. And that's, that's what I'll remember. Levin, I've been saying it to you for how many weeks? You and Zane have been having to listen to me. Kyle Shanahan is not aggressive enough, especially on fourth down. He's just not. I don't know what it is with him. I don't know why. 
but this is the second time this year when he's been so worried about the other quarterback and what they might do with the ball if the 49ers don't score that he forfeits a possession. He just hands it over like it's nothing. He completely gives it up. He butchered the game management in this game. Now, he wasn't the only guy holding the cleaver, but he's the head coach, so his knife is the biggest. And this game was completely mismanaged by him. And you touched on it, Al. I mean, at the end of the first half, there was a minute and 47 seconds left when they stopped Kansas City on third down. And like you said, they snapped the ball with 59 seconds left on the 49ers' first play. That's 48 seconds left because Kyle Shanahan was scared. And the only reason, by the way, that he takes the shot down the field with Kittle is because the little dump-off pass to Wilson happened to gain like 15 yards. And so he had no choice because then it would, would have looked even worse if he didn't take a shot to Kittle after they made that big gain. So it was almost like he had to do it in spite of himself. Like he didn't even really want to. I thought that was hideous, hideous by Kyle. And then in the third quarter, when they don't go for that, for the first down, when it's fourth and two, when they kick that field goal, I was even more stunned, especially when you saw Andy Reid on the other side twice, I think, in the first quarter, go for it on fourth mm-hmm. down and score touchdowns. Like how Kyle played that game, living in his fears like that, I don't understand. And he needs to get out of that habit now or this is going to happen again in the future but stats wasn't it almost bipolar because he played so conservative and then at the end when he had to run it's like he got cute all of a sudden he he trusts jimmy all of a sudden he's trying to throw the ball didn't that kind of throw you for a loop a little bit like like why so conservative in the beginning why not take these shots and then at the end he's 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 throwing the football more do you think it was a matchup thing that he saw or it was just weird to me it's hard to say for sure i think part of me feels like he looks at the run as not being aggressive and and a way to burn clock. But I think he needs to start looking at it as this is how we can gain a huge chunk of yards and and keep moving down the field. It's not just a clock burning exercise. It's a, it's a viable way to move your offense. I don't know if he looks at the run that way. I mean, he's openly admitted, you know, when he first started coaching that he just wanted to pass the ball all the time. Maybe he needs to sort of reevaluate, you know, the, the run is not just like the thing you do when you don't pass the ball. You know, it's not just the thing you do in between passes. It's a viable staple of the game and you're not giving up if you run the ball. And I saw, and so, sorry, Levin, I'm not, I'm sorry to jump over you, but I just wanted to add one more thing. Um, I, I saw Bill Barnwell put out on Twitter today and I thought it was so interesting. The Patriots Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl from a couple years ago, he noted that, remember the, um, there was a minute 59 left at the end of the half when they did the Philly special play that's, that's legendary now. And he was saying, what if Philly did the same thing the Niners did and sat, up, sat on the ball with that minute 59 left? What if they did the same thing and said, you know what, we're playing New England, we're up by three, let's just kind of sit on the ball, take our chances in the second half. What, what if he did that? But he was aggressive, the Philly special happens, and the rest is history, one of the biggest upsets in Super Bowl history. And I just thought that was such a great example of the people saying, well, Kyle played it safe, but that's that's the first step to losing. That's playing to lose, playing it safe like that. And, mm-hmm. and if, if, if you don't trust your quarterback, if you don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo there, then maybe you need to find another quarterback. Seriously. And I, I don't think that they're going to go in that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's what they should do. And I don't think they're going to go there, but if you don't trust, what, what kind of message does that send? Of, of course, of course they don't trust her. It looks like you don't trust Garoppolo there. And I don't, I don't think he does. If you have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, you're trying to score points there, right? I would think so. So I just thought that was really interesting by Barnwell um, to bring up that point because, because yeah, that, that whole Super Bowl would, would have changed if Philadelphia sat on the ball there. Right. And I, I don't disagree that Shanahan deserves 
uh, a good bit of the blame in this game. I, I do believe he went against what he has all season. And that was my thoughts going into halftime that, you know, all season long, he has been aggressive in those moments, whether it was going for the win against Seattle rather than playing for the tie that he could have easily done in that mm-hmm. first Seattle match. He's always gone for the win. And that's because that is the attitude of this Niners team. They were the all gas, no breaks team. And that means you're always going for it. You're not, not hitting the break and trying to play it safe. You're always going for the kill shot. And he went away from that. I do blame somebody else a little bit more. And we can get into that a, a little bit in the future. Cause we're going to talk about him more, but I can see Rob, you have something you want to add to what I just said about Shanahan. Uh, yeah, I have a question for you guys, and I guess, Levin, I'll throw it to you first. Do you think that there's someone on the sideline that's getting in Shanahan's ear in these moments? Like, uh, remember the Patriots Super Bowl against the Seahawks when the Seahawks run the ball and the clock's ticking and people are in Belichick's ear like, hey, hey, do you want to take a timeout? Do you want to take a timeout? And he's not doing it. And he's kind of looking over and people are in his ear like, Bill, do you want to take a timeout? Do, the, do you think the 49ers have someone on that sideline that's saying, hey, Kyle, maybe we should run the damn ball? Or, hey, Kyle, maybe we should go for it on this fourth down here, you know, instead of kicking the field goal. Do you think that, that there is someone that's not scared to speak up to him? Because I don't know if there is right now. No. I would say the one person who's probably wouldn't be is the person who shouldn't be on the sideline during games, and he's not, and that's John Lynch. I think John Lynch will tell him like it is when the time is right, but the time is not right during the game for the GM to be telling the coach. But I do think you're right in that, that, that Kyle, I mean, there's a viral clip that we've probably all seen of what happens when you tell Kyle what to do with an offense. And that was when he was the offensive coordinator of Cleveland and the head coach said, Hey, I think we should run. And he just gave him a smile like, Hey, why don't you shut up now? I know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Kyle kind of, that's the arrogance of Kyle that we've seen. There's a lot more good than bad when it comes to Kyle, but that arrogance is both a good and a bad part of him as a coach. Well, it definitely wasn't John Lynch because did you guys see when they showed him on TV, giving yeah, the timeout sign time after out. they stopped? <laughs> yeah. I, I think he was thinking the same thing as, as the rest of us there, but yeah, you know, this, this is Kyle's team. And for better, for worse, it's definitely for better because Shanahan's a hell of a coach, a hell of a coach. But his one sort of issue so far has has kind of been this clock management. And look, Andy Reid had the same issue. Some coaches have issues with it. And it's certainly been been Shanahan's this year. And, and you mentioned the Seattle game where I thought in that Seattle game, you're playing the team that is chasing you. When you're in overtime there, you either win the game or you tie. Because if you tie, you would have had a two-game lead. Now, obviously, everything worked out okay, and they ended up in the Super Bowl, but I, I didn't think that that was handled well, and, and and I don't think this was handled well either. So I, I don't believe there's anyone in his in his ear. This is his team. This is his offense, and he's going to do what he, what he wants to, but hopefully he's just learn, taking it all in and learning from his mistakes because I, I really do think that that definitely cost him a lot. Right, and I think one thing that the NFL and the 49ers should take away from not just the Super Bowl, but the playoffs in general, is Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs need to be treated like the Peyton Manning Colts were and like the Patriots with Tom Brady until recent years. And that's, you don't ever waste an opportunity to go get points. You can't play scared against them. 
because they're going to find their points. They're going to make their comeback. It doesn't matter if you have a 28 to 3 lead in the Super Bowl. They're going to make their comeback. So you need every single point you can get, and you can't waste prime opportunities like that where the Niners could have double dipped, gotten points at the end of the first half, and then gotten the ball to start the second half and really stepped on their throats. And I think that's something the NFL at all of them, all teams should take away from this. You can't waste an opportunity when you're playing that team. Or forfeit an opportunity. Not even waste. Give it away. Don't even attempt. Yeah. That, that was the most infuriating thing. It was going to be so hard to beat this team, and I felt like Shanahan was coaching with one hand behind his back at times. Yeah, but I mean, that's one thing he could have done differently, but what are the other things that should have been done differently? Because to me, I don't really disagree with him passing in there in the fourth quarter because he has always taken what the defenses give him. And the defenses have been taking away the pass and he's been able to run on that. I mean, that's what he said. He's going to keep running because they kept giving him those looks. That's what he said after the Vikings game. In this game, they were giving him looks to pass. They were stacking the middle. The Niners weren't. They were running successfully in this game, but not up the middle because Kansas City was had a lot of guys sitting there in the middle. And you already mentioned it. I was going to mention it when I came to talk about this, Al, but Baldinger broke it down. How many guys were open? The opportunities were there. The passes were good play calls. He was putting his position into a great position to win. And Garoppolo didn't see him. He didn't make the right passes at the right time. He wasted the opportunities and to me he's the one that deserves a lot more of the blame than anybody else because Shanahan put him in a position to succeed and it was a position he has succeeded almost every single time this year but this time he faulted and that that is a good point and I know we haven't hit into the grapple thing yet but if while I don't agree with with all of the play calls it's when you do look at them on film it's tough to argue because most of them were going to work if Jimmy comes off that first read. There were guys open. And even with the long pass to Sanders, which if it was a good throw, you know, he probably gets the ball inside the five at the worst. But there were guys open underneath for a first down there too. I think Bourne was like wide open for 15, 20 yards when you look at that. So the opportunities were there. So so yeah, when when you when you need to to go down and score and bleed clock and you have three plays in a 47 second drive, it's 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 bad and it it hurt the team and it was one of the reasons why they lost. But maybe the plays were there. So while I didn't love Kyle's clock management and I thought he could have mixed in more runs, like I said, it's hard to argue. Now, what I will say is, while the runs weren't there, I would have liked to seen a little bit more creativity. And think back to that New Orleans game. Do you remember it was a handoff to use check and just as about he was is he was about to get popped. He popped. He flipped it to Moster. Do you guys remember that? Just yep. real creative, and and they were they were killing them with with the Debo sweeps, and they got away from that. Just I, I would have liked to seen something like that in the fourth quarter, where you know don't run it up the middle, get creative, do you know you're the best the best play caller in in the league or one of them. You didn't have any, you didn't have anything in your bag of tricks for then. So so that's what got to me in, in eleven. It looks like you want to make a point here. What, what did you think about that? You started to get there with it with the Debo thing. When Debo kept finding success on those end arounds, and I actually wrote uh, for the web zone that he ended up breaking the rushing record for a wide receiver in the Super Bowl with his first run in the second half, which was the third play of the second half where, when he got up to 53 yards. When he succeeded yet again and 
Shanahan purposely ran it early in the second half, I thought, okay, he's set this up. They're going to do an end around where Debo gets the ball and either he makes the throw or they do some other kind of trick play where he doesn't actually end up running. it. And they never went back to that. They never ran him again. They never did another end around. They did nothing. And that to me was another indication that Shannon kind of got away from his MO because that's what he's a master of. He's a master of playing chess when he's making play calls. He's purposely calling certain plays so that later in the game, he can get you to bite on something. And he never went back to the thing that had been really successful. Debo had 53 yards rushing and they never went back to anything. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Uh, Debo and Kittle were basically ghosts in the second half of the game, really. I mean, it it was so upsetting because, like you said, he came out and they were running all over the place and things were good. And it did kind of look like he ran out of bullets, for lack of a better phrase. I mean, Andy Reid seemed to have a play for every situation. They had a lot of of fourth down plays, and the Chiefs always had a, a specific play drawn up just for that situation. They had Kelsey was wide open in the end zone when he caught the ball off the play action. They did that that other play where they borrowed it from the 1948 Rolls Bowl game, which is just ridiculous that they're going that far back for plays. But they were ready for everything, and I felt like at the end of that game. Kyle was like, well, I'm running my staple stuff here and I hope it works. And that was surprising and really disappointing because that's the last thing I expected to happen, especially with two weeks to prepare for the game. Now, here's the part that really bothered me. And I kind of touched on this a little bit. I wrote an article today kind of saying Jimmy to me is the biggest culprit for the loss. But in that, I talked about how in the fourth quarter, when the Niners could have really put away the game, he really faltered. He he finished the fourth quarter three for 11, 39 yards with an interception. Really didn't do anything. I mean, it's a, a horrendous, as bad as you can imagine, fourth quarter. Mm. But specifically, when the Niners got that second interception, there's 11, and 57, 11 minutes, 57 seconds left to go in the game. Niners up 10. If they go down and get a touchdown there, I think it's over. Yes, they ended up scoring enough points to where they would have still won. In, but I think that would whole game is different if they score a touchdown, though. Right, mm-hmm. and even even a drive that takes three four minutes off the clock and ends up in a field goal changes the ni- dynamic. But they end up going five plays and punting. Then the Chiefs finally figure it out. You know, you touched on the, on the deep ball to Tyree Kill. They figured out something that worked, and they started destroying the Niners' defense. And they went down and scored a quick touchdown. It only took like two and a half minutes to go 83 yards. Now you got a defense that's reeling. Your offense is getting the ball back. They're still up three points. There's only six minutes left to go in the game. If they have a good drive, you know, if they get a touchdown, it's over. If they have a good drive that takes five minutes off the clock and they get a field goal, it is very likely over because Mahomes only has one minute to try to drive the distance. But instead, they go three and out, and they give the ball right back to the Chiefs they only took one minute off the clock. That means that defense that was reeling, that had just been figured out, didn't have the time to make an adjustment. And the Chiefs on that second touchdown drive came out and did the exact same stuff and went down and scored yet another touchdown. The two drives were actually almost identical in length and they ran similar plays. And it's because the offense faltered and didn't give them enough time to make their adjustments that the defense completely collapsed. And that to me, what I'm getting at is that's why I don't really blame the defense. Yes, they gave up a lot of points in the fourth quarter, but I think they were hung out to dry by that offense. Yeah, I agree with that. And 
like I said earlier, if if you said to me that the Chiefs were going to have 24 points with a minute and a half left or whatever it was, I just I just signed up for that. 10 points into the fourth quarter, absolutely. So I agree. There were breakdowns in that defense, and, and there was a collapse at the end. But like you said, they they were spent. And, and I thought that they did enough for, for three and a half quarters there. And if the offense did their part, the defense is in a better position to, to close that game out. And the offense, look, guys, 20 points. The offense didn't do what they're supposed to do. They, they, they just didn't. This team averaged, I think, 20, I think the Niners was 29 something points a game. 29, nine, I think. 29, is that, was that it? And in the playoffs, I, yeah. and, and in the playoffs too, you get, I think it was 27 and 37, right? In the, in those two games. So, and they were doing that with the with the run, still scoring all those points. So this team came out and in whatever the whether it was a game plan or or whatever it was, twenty points just isn't good enough. Twenty points was never going to be the Chiefs team. I don't care how how good this defense played because the Chiefs are too good and they can score too quickly. The Niners had to put up twenty seven thirty points in this game, and, and and they couldn't do it. Can I say something about uh, Garoppolo? Because I was looking at some of his comments after the game and. I got to tell you, I didn't like what I heard. You know, he was asked about the missed throw to Emmanuel Sanders. He said, we missed some shots tonight. He was asked about, you know, the offense sputtering in the fourth quarter. It wasn't our night. We missed plays we usually make. No, Jimmy, you missed plays you usually make. It wasn't your night. You overthrew Emmanuel Sanders. He didn't even take ownership of the failures. And I, I don't know. I just... If it were Mahomes or, or Brady or Wentz or other quarterbacks, they would say, I wasn't good enough. I messed it up. It's my fault. I, I don't know if Jimmy's the, uh, the kind of leader that they're going to need at quarterback because I, I don't know if he just wasn't confident or that's just not his personality. But whatever it is, I need to see him step up in a big way this offseason. Maybe he was you know, concentrating on the ACL rehab, so he, you know, that was his focus and he had to do that. But something has to change because I just I need to see him take command a little bit and and be more of that alpha guy because he's definitely not. And I, I don't know that you can have a team and not have your quarterback be your alpha. Yeah, and that's a good point. And I think part of that is, I mean, how did his career start? He was backing up one of the all time big alphas. I mean, Tom Brady, you know, he, he puts on a good smile, but. From all intents and purposes, from what you can find out from behind the scenes, Tom Brady is an extreme alpha male. It is his team, and you're going to run it my way. And you see that when the going doesn't, or I should say, when it doesn't go the way they want in a game, Tom Brady will light into his teammates. Hmm? He has no problem doing that, and that's the alpha. Jimmy never does that, and I think that's somewhat of a backup mentality, and he needs to break out of that. Well, I think you can still get it done and, and, and be clutch without being super. I mean, look at somebody like Eli Manning, I guess. You know, Eli is an understated guy and he's not somebody who, who really seemed rah rah, but he, but he was clutch in, in, in his playoff games. So in two I mean, years I, of his career, the rest of the time, he was terrible. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no doubt. But in those game stats, he, he was clutch. When, when he was in the Super Bowl and in the playoffs, he, he was yes, he clutch. Was. So, so, so you can be on the quieter side or, or not, you know, a demonstrative leader and, and, and still get it done. But I, I get your, I understand your point. I, I understand what you're saying. And he was clutch at a lot of times this season. I just wonder maybe, maybe in a lot of, you know, Tom Brady, I'm sure feels Tom Brady doesn't feel like that. That's Josh McDaniel's offense. That's Tom Brady's offense, right? Mm-hmm. That's fair to say. 
maybe in a way Garoppolo feels, well, this is Kyle Shanahan's offense. I'm just, I'm an extension of Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, I run his offense, you know, we've been saying everybody's a system quarterback in some way, but you know, I, I run this system, you know, and he's not a backyard Brett Favre type, type of quarterback Garoppolo. He's, he's just not. So maybe, maybe the alpha male right now is Kyle Shanahan in that offense and, and everything is, is just running through him. But like you said, at some point Garoppolo will have to take the reins and, and be the guy there. Cause look, we're, and we're going to get into him and, and we're probably not going to have a ton of nice things to say about the way he played in this game and really in the playoffs as a whole. But at the end of the day, I think he's going to be around. I, I don't think they're going to sign Tom Brady and let him go. Uh, not, nothing ridiculous like that. I think Garoppolo is going to be the guy for at least next year, unless he falls flat on his face from there out. So it's going to be something where he's he's going to have to take the reins and he's going to have to show that he's the leader and the face of this team. Yeah, Garoppolo is here to stay. I, I don't think any of us would debate that. Uh, I mean, you can factor in that this team is obviously ready to win right now. And at Shanahan's point of view, you can't really hit the reset button without wasting a Super Bowl window. But more than that, I think Garoppolo is plenty good enough to where Shanahan doesn't want to move on. But we've come to the time, you know, we normally give out game balls. I thought we'd spin it this time since, one, nobody really wants to give out game balls when the team just lost the Super Bowl. So we'll spin it into, if the Niners had hung on to win, who would have been your Super Bowl MVP? We can start with you, Rob. That's Nick Bosa to me. I mean, Bosa was incredible in this game. He was everywhere. He had a forced fumble. He had a pass defended. He was in Mahomes' face basically every play. And I have this might be the homer in me, but if you go back and you look at that deep ball to Tyree Kill, Eric Fisher is hugging Nick Bosa around the waist. I I thought they easily could have called a holding penalty on him. It's amazing that somehow the, the Chiefs' offensive line didn't commit a single holding penalty the entire game somehow. They were, they were just perfect, I guess, in their pass-blocking technique. But I just, to me, it was Bosa. He was a, a monster. You could see him on the sidelines at the end of the game absolutely bawling, just crying like uncontrollably. It was an understated storyline going in how much the 49ers were depending on a rookie in the Super Bowl. Actually, two rookies if you count Debo. Mm. But I thought Bosa delivered and... He, to me, had one of the great Super Bowls that we've seen from a defender in a long time, and it's going to go completely forgotten because the 49ers didn't win the game. I would have to say the same thing. Bosa, to me, was dominant from the first snap. He's, in every way, a franchise defensive player and crazy, crazy that he's been able to do that just 19 games into his career. And his stats don't even tell the story to me. He had, he had big stats in the playoffs, but I think during the regular season, maybe he had nine, nine sacks. But those that total doesn't tell the story of just how disruptive he is constantly. And he's almost unblockable at times. It seems like every play he's, he's hurrying the quarterback or around the quarterback. And yeah, like, like stats said, they, they had to hold him to stop him. <laughs> that was the only way. And they weren't calling holding penalties last night, really, really any other team. So um, it, it was tough because the, the Niners got a lot of pressure and that, that front four was, was disruptive, but they kept getting held in it. It starts with Bosa because he's, he's so good. And a part of the reason why I think this team is going to be around for a long time is because they have that franchise piece, that franchise pass rusher on defense now, which, which is huge. Well, I'm not going to pick the same person. <laughs> we can't all three pick the same person. So to be different, I'm going to go with Debo Samuel. He had 92 total yards that led all Niners in yards from scrimmage. And he did it in obviously a, a unique fashion. He had 53 yards rushing. A majority of it came from rushing. I mean, he, he had a game that shows the uniqueness of him and how he has 
developed in the second half of this season into a true number one weapon from the wide receiver position. Not quite in the same way that you typically see it, because normally it's you know dominating receiving stats, but he kind of does a lot of little things to be that that uh, true number one option in an offense. So I'm going to go with Debo, but I did want to make a point with what you said, Rob. It's not that Kansas City didn't commit holding penalties. It's just that they went uncalled because they were <laughs> holding almost every single play when that comeback happened. And, you know, I, I didn't put it down as one of our topics to discuss, but maybe we should is the officiating because we've we've talked about it on a couple different plays now. Uh, you know, you, Al, you mentioned the Kittle pass interference, and now we're talking about the holding. But there was also, you know, that that three and out drive that I talked about where the Niners were still up three points and had a chance to kind of calm everything down and give the defense time to adjust. On third down, they showed the replay, and they only showed it once, which I don't think that's a mistake, by the way. I, <laughs> I think Fox very clearly had an agenda to not show super controversial plays that would be penalties. I think that's something the NFL doesn't like. And what it was is when Jimmy Garoppolo made that pass on third down, he was hit directly in his temple. And it, Absolutely. Wasn't, it mm-hmm. wasn't just a, a light tap where it could be a ticky-tack call. It was a defender coming in, leading with the crown of his helmet, something that's supposed to be the biggest no-no, led with the crown of his helmet and drilled him right in the temple. Not soft contact, literally knocked him to the ground by drilling him to the ground. And this is this is one of the differences that I was getting at between Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo went to the ground, had to readjust his helmet because he had been hit in the head. And he gets up and he the ref's right next to him. And he, you can see he turns and politely says something to the ref and the ref shakes his head and he walks away. Tom Brady would have gotten up and been screaming at that official Mm -hmm. to make sure the next time it happens, he gets the call. And that to me is yet another refing thing that happened that went against the Niners. And that's the part that kind of really bothers me was this refing crew was inconsistent. They were very ticky tacky in some regards that pass interference play. And they were, in no way, shape, and form going to call anything in other regards, being holding penalties and those roughing the passer. And that, to me, bothers me because that's an inconsistency, and I think that's the issue. I don't think there was a conspiracy or anything like that. I think it was more kind of bad luck that all these little calls that were questionable went against the Niners. But I think it does play an effect into what ended up resulting in this game. Yeah, I mean, I can't blame the officials, but that doesn't mean that they didn't mess a lot of things up. But how about that play where Garoppolo is scrambling? He's clearly, clearly going out of bounds, and he gets shoved, knocked right out of bounds, just as he's about to go out of bounds. And Kyle Shanahan was furious. Kyle was right in front of the official, letting him hear it the way we wanted to see Jimmy. But Jimmy didn't do anything. But I thought they could have. I thought if it, the roles were reversed and that happened to Mahomes, they definitely would have thrown the flag. And it is, I don't care what anybody says, there is a quarterback hierarchy in the NFL when it comes mm-hmm. to how they're treated with officials. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Ed Hockley, I think, flat out told Cam Newton, you're not old enough to get that call. And there are certain guys that have reached a certain level and they treat differently. And it's bogus. And the most maddening thing when it comes to officiating is always inconsistency. And we saw it again there. 
and you guys keep bringing up the word inconsistent and, and, and that's the key word there. And, and that's what bothered me so much about the Kittle, the Kittle OPI call because it was completely inconsistent with the way the rest of the game was called. If they were calling that, that type play in the game, you say, okay, well, it's kind of how the game, I don't like it, but it's how the game is being called. That was completely, completely off base from what was happening with the rest of the game. They let everything go. And then you call that ticky-tack offensive pass interference. I, I thought that was terrible. But I don't think it was anything where, you know, I, I don't know how many people on Twitter are telling me that the refs have it out for the Niners. I don't think it's that. I just think the refs are incompetent. That's, <laughs> that's just what I think it is. You know, it has nothing to do with one team or another. But the Niners definitely had more calls that, that should have happened for them. You know, the, you said the Jimmy hits and in the holding. It was definitely more on the Niners side where they got screwed with that. I did not have an issue, however, with the uh, Tiberius Moore pass interference call at all because he didn't turn his head around. He just jumped into Kelsey. If he turns his head around and makes a play on the ball, it probably doesn't get called. It's a different game, but it, he he played it poorly. And that's passer pass interference. I had no issue with that whatsoever. That's going to get called every time. One play that that I think that the Niners would have benefited from a penalty, and that's the Sammy Watkins absolutely roasting Richard Sherman on the I think it was a thirty eight yard pass. And there's a and I I said it in the podcast the week before, and it happened, sure shooting. Watkins takes an inside move, which he says he learned because he saw Devontae Adams do it to Sherman at the end of the NFC Championship game. And Sherman knows he's beat. He's, he's taking a misstep, and he knows he's beat. And at one point, he has both of his hands wrapped around Sammy Watkins' waist. And I said last week, if that happens, just drag the guy down. Mm-hmm. Hold him, grab him, whether it's PI or holding, whatever it is, take the penalty because you're going to get burned. And and Sherman lets Watkins go. He doesn't take the penalty, and they get burned for that 38-yard play. It was a huge play in the game. I thought Sherman would have been much better off just grabbing him and dragging him down. Well, I think the difference in that one, I, I don't disagree, but I think Sherman was expecting safety help to be there, and I think it was Jimmy Ward that was deep there, and he, he had been taken away, and that was part of the thing that Kansas City had figured out. Run three different deep routes all on the same side of the field one of them is going to get open deep and the safety can't cover them both and if the safety takes the guy who goes inside first that sideline route is wide open and that's where the two their two big pass plays came from was on the sideline and you saw the diagram of what Andy Reid ran to get that first Tyree kill and that, that's what it was three deep routes all coming from the same side of the field where the safety has to choose and the moment he chooses Mahomes gets the guy who's the most wide open but I, I think it is time for us to kind of transition a little bit away from the Super Bowl specifically and more into bigger picture conversation. And I wanted to start it with something I think would be an interesting debate. And I, I have no clue if we're all three going to agree. It's possible, but I don't know where the two of you fall. But I think it's a fun debate to have now that the season is officially over. And that is, is this Kyle Shanahan team better than any of the teams that Jim Harbaugh coached? <laughs> a good it's question. A that is a tough one. Um, wow, because defensively, both strong, right? In both really ways, strong defensively, yes. yeah. Um, man, that's a great question. Well, let's I, look at I, it like this. Let's go through it. Quarterback, who's better? I think that Harbaugh teams are better at quarterback. Wow. Again, dude, this is such a hard uh, question because it depends. Okay. 
what the Harbaugh teams were so Alex Smith was that first season. He he was definitely a game manager, but he was also clutch, right? Kaepernick was something the league had never seen before in year two, and nobody knew how to defend him. So it was sort of a strange happening that year in 2012 that nobody knew how to defend Kaepernick or what to do with him. And then the next season, the league caught up a little bit, but he was still able, you know, to run the ball. And Kaepernick had put up huge numbers in the in the playoffs that second year. But the Niners were still able to run the ball and, and play good defense until until the turnovers in Seattle. So I don't know, man. I think when when Jimmy was on. The games he was on, I, I think, I mean, I'm taking that Kyle Shanahan offense over the Jim Harbaugh offense. Definitely, definitely, definitely taking the Kyle Shanahan offense over the Jim Harbaugh offense. I think it, we, how quickly we kind of paint over the things that Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick didn't do well. I, I don't have any doubt in my mind that Jimmy Garoppolo is better than either one of them. We forget that. Alex Smith was a game manager, and while he won some big games, there were a lot of games he also couldn't win, even in the Harbaugh era, because he couldn't mm-hmm. throw a good deep ball. Incredibly limited. Yep, yeah, he was very limited. Yes, he doesn't win a limited the championship game against Atlanta for sure. And then there's the Colin Kaepernick. He could not read a defense quickly. If his first read wasn't there, he really struggled when the play broke down. If the play went as expected, he was phenomenal. The play did not go as expected. It was either he's going to get some yards running or he's going to throw an interception or he's just going to make a terrible play. And we also forget how extremely inconsistent he was in accuracy. He had a phenomenal arm, but in a lot of ways it reminded me of Michael Vick because he could make a wild play that he might be the only guy in the league could make throwing the ball because he could really fling it. But then at the same time, one of the simplest passes he would completely miss because he tried to throw a fastball. When he you know who he rem- he's Josh Allen or Josh Allen is him. Doesn't Josh Allen remind you in a lot of ways of things that Kaepernick thing couldn't, couldn't do with Kaepernick. He doesn't, he didn't turn the ball over. No, he didn't turn the ball. Jimmy turns the ball over way more than Colin Kaepernick did. Now Kaepernick doesn't, you know, like you said, there are some plays he doesn't make, and maybe Jimmy does. But other than that horrible fourth quarter against the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game in 2013, he didn't really turn the ball over that often. I have to, I have to say that in his favor. Yeah, he has one of the lowest interception percentages in history. I think it's like him, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady, or something like that. Like he 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 did not turn the ball over, and it was perfect for those Harbaugh offenses because mm-hmm. they wanted to run the ball, take care of the ball, and play good defense. And that's that's what they were able to do. You know, Harbaugh's teams definitely had the long, they didn't get it done. They definitely had the longevity. But I I, I would take in a, in a one year team. I would I would take this team. I would I would take Shanahan's team. I would agree. And and one point I wanted to make before we move on from this quarterback thing that that Rob brought up. If you want to say the quarterbacks are very close and maybe you take Colin, that's fine. But when you do go with the combination of Colin Kaepernick and Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, or Jimmy Garoppolo and the offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan, I'm taking the Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo combination. Yeah, it's not close. Seven right? times it's not close. Week. Yeah. I think that is a, a big swing there. Obviously, I think the Harbaugh era had a better running back. That was Gore still in his prime, but Shanahan is such a great schemer that this run game is 
every bit as good. I mean, it was number two in the league. The only team that beat them was the Baltimore team that had a bunch of their yards come from quarterback. So offensively, I got to go with the Niners of today over any Harbaugh one. Defensively, that's where I view it as more of a toss-up. That Harbaugh era was absolutely dominant against the run. I mean, we had those years where are they going to even allow a rushing touchdown? Are they even going to allow a 100-yard rusher? You know, they, they consistently held opponents to under four yards of carry. This one, it, it's the other part of, the, of defense that is great at. This Niners defense allowed less yards passing than any defense since the Revis Island 2009 New York Jets. It allowed less passing yards than any year in the Legion of Boom. Even the Seattle Super Bowl year allowed more passing yards. Even that Jacksonville 2017 pass defense everybody talks about allowed more yards than this year's Niners pass defense. I think the defenses are a toss-up, but the offensive edge goes to this year, so I picked this year's Niners team. Oh, you know, you, you, your point about Shanahan coming along with the offense this year is a good one, but I take Fangio over Robert Sala when it comes to defensive That's coaching. True. Um, and the linebacker, I mean, Willis and Bowman, healthy. I mean, you're talking about mm-hmm. one of the most incredible linebacker tandems the game has ever seen. You got Justin Smith on the D-line and Alden Smith, uh, who was, I mean, Alden Smith's first, I think, two years, he had more sacks than J.J. Watt. He was drafted ahead of J.J. Watt. We, people f- seem to forget how good he was when he, before his head completely came unscrewed. He had more sacks than, I believe, anybody in NFL history in his first two years. He was unbelievable. And even though the, the corners on that team were not great, it's not like the 49ers this year have great corners either. So I'll, I'll give a slight edge on defense to the Harbaugh teams, but it is close. Who do you pick overall? Al and I have both said this year's Niners. Which one are you going with? Um, Get off the fence, Rob. Yeah, I have to go... <laughs> The coaching on offense is so superior to the to the Roman, even though Roman is really good. I mean, I think that Shanahan could have done a lot of damage with those players that Harbaugh had and probably more damage than those 49ers did. So mm-hmm. I'll take this year's team. But I will say one thing for Harbaugh, and I think, Al, you mentioned it. He was in the NFC Championship for three straight years, and the only team he ever lost to in the playoffs won the Super Bowl. So Shanahan's got to put more than one of these years together, and we'll see if he does. Fair enough. Well, in terms of another future thing, we've talked a lot about Garoppolo. And Al, you actually have this interesting exercise that I'm kind of excited and nervous about all at the same time. Because you came up with this idea to name a quarterback and for us to weigh in on whether we pick that quarterback or if we stick with Jimmy. So with that, go ahead and start. Yeah, and it's interesting because one of the things I said this and after the game, I, I tweeted out, all right, guys, all right, 49ers fans vent. I want to hear what you're feeling. And I got something like 600 replies and there were a lot of replies. And I know people are emotional, you know, that you just lose the Super Bowl, but a lot of Garoppolo is not good enough. A lot of, we need an upgrade there. Or he needs to get better. And, and listen, I don't think he played well against Minnesota. After the first drive, he was shaky. He didn't really throw you know, three eight passes against Green Bay. And he certainly, you know, like we said earlier, he missed throws and even some of the throws he did make, they were better. So he, he didn't play his best game in the Super Bowl. 
And you could argue that he held the team back. I, I would probably argue that too. I didn't think he played terrific. But overall, I thought he had a good season. Coming off an ACL, I thought he had a very good year. I thought he was clutch. I thought he was accurate, but he is prone to that bonehead play. I think it was 21 turnovers total in 19 games this year. So he does have his faults, but overall, I think the Niners are in good hands. But still, there's a lot of people right now wondering, can we do better? Can we do better? So what I want to do is ask you guys, I'm going to name quarterbacks. And I want you guys to tell me yes or no. And I guess we'll go two out of three if we're going to take him over Garoppolo. And I have seven names that I think we're all going to agree on. I'll just read them. Obviously, Brady. And this, no. is, this, is, this is healthy. Well, I'm going to say healthy just this year, not long term. Healthy this year. Would you have rather had this quarterback? Okay. I already disagree with me, Rob. I'll, I'll say, I'll say this. So we'll just go, we'll just go name my name. Tom Brady this year. Better off with him or Garoppolo. I say no. Levin. I say I'm sticking with Jimmy. I think Brady is in the scenario where he can still look decent running the offense that he's in, that he knows like the back of his hand. You get him outside of that system, he's going to look garbage because he's an extremely limited quarterback. And you saw those weaknesses bite the Patriots in the butt come playoffs. Okay, I would I would take Brady. Um, Mahomes, obviously, that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Healthy Ben Roethlisberger. Yes. Yes. All right. I ben is a two. monster. Ah, mm. Yeah. I, well, it's I, two, it's, it's mm. two to one, Levin. We're taking Ben. All right. D- Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Oof. Hold on. Make your kid. What, what do you I, I, really? Ben, I, it, healthy it's ben? a personal vendetta. I can't bring myself to say Big Ben because, I mean, I, I've said it on this podcast. Oh, he's before. a turd. To his rival school. And uh, the shady things in his background are inexcusable, unforgivable. I absolutely think he's guilty of them. I cannot say I would take Big Ben. On the field. That, Win the mm, game. That's all you're worried about. It, it's hard without knowing what he's going to be because he is at that age where an injury can destroy him and he'll be a shell of himself. All right. To me, all right. it, if you're saying I have to pick with what we know now, I'm taking the thing that I know what it's going to be, and that's Jimmy. Now, if you're uh, saying Big Ben returns to what he was, Big Ben's yes, this is this is a healthy a healthy Roethlisberger. We started season <laughs> okay. healthy Roethlisberger. Okay, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun, yeah, Deshaun. Yeah. Russell Wilson. Wilson. Okay, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's close. Uh, Maybe Rodgers, for one more yeah. year. Aaron Rodgers take, and Kyle Shanahan's offense with this team. I would guys, take Aaron, guys. But okay. in all previous years, it would be not even. A hesitation taking Aaron Rodgers, but right now there's like a slight hesitation, but it's still a relatively easy pick of Rodgers. Drew Brees. No. You're coming up with all the personal ones for me. <laughs> I've said on this show before, he's my last childhood sports hero. I grew up he can't even beat up Taysom Hill for the damn job. <laughs> uh, you brought up Taysom. You we had him. This, we had him but last no, week. No, I think I'll go, Jimmy. I, I think Breeze has fallen off a bit. I'd go Jimmy. Okay. All right. You guys, I thought for sure we did, we'd have those seven. Okay. Matt Ryan. Yeah, I'll take Matt Ryan. I've Th- seen him this in this one, offense. I, this one I mentally prepared for because I thought he would be on your list. And I would take Matt Ryan because we've seen what he can do in this offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would take Matt Ryan too. Lamar Jackson. 100%. Yeah. Easy yeah. Lamar. Yep. <laughs> Carson Wentz. 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 100%. 100% Wentz. 
Here's an interesting one. Matthew Stafford. I'd love to see him with a coach that actually knows what the hell he's doing for a yep. change. Because I feel imagine like he's never Math- had one. Imagine Stafford with Shanahan. Yeah. That's I, uh, that's, that's, in, that's intriguing. It is intriguing. I think I'm still going to go with Jimmy. And that is because I've watched a lot of Stafford growing up in the Midwest. And to me, I think he is a very big stat patter. He is yet to win a playoff game in his entire career. Now, granted, he hasn't had that many opportunities, but early in his career, he had an absolutely loaded offense and still couldn't win a single playoff game. Truly great quarterbacks. All they need is a Calvin Johnson, and they can at least do something. And he was still struggling to make the playoffs, having, to me, at his prime, the single greatest wide receiver. I think Calvin Johnson and Randy Moss are 1A and 1B in terms of true peak wide receiver talent, and he still couldn't win a playoff game. And now he's lower and and likely (laughs) falling off. Hey, I'm the biggest T.O. fan on this podcast and might be overall. I wore his jersey every year on game day for like 10 years. Like eight years after he was gone from the Niners, I was still wearing that on game day. I still have it in my closet. Solid by you. I wore it when he went into the Hall of Fame. I wore it on Terrell Owens' day this season. But in terms of peak talent, Calvin Johnson is better. But that's not the debate. The debate is Stafford, and I think Stafford is not at his peak anymore. And that, to me, is the deciding factor. Stats, you took him, right, Stafford? Yeah, I did. Uh, It's close, but yeah, I took him. Okay. Phillip Rivers. Hold on. Who'd you take, Al? I took Stafford all day. I'm taking Stafford on that. I think think Stafford and Kyle Shanahan's offense would be an absolute monster with that running game and the defense. I think he'd be a monster. Philip Rivers. Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. I was going to wait for you to respond, Rob, and then go with a very <laughs> strong get out of here with Philip Rivers, but you beat me to it. Yeah. yeah. No. Derek Carr. No. Uh, yeah, Derek Carr, in, he, he's, I don't know how to put this nicely. He is a little scared puppy playing quarterback. He has all kinds of talent. Way to he soften is it. Scared to make the play. He checks down all the time. You can't win anything doing that. Jared Goff. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Jared Goff is a guy that would be sitting on a bench on the verge of being out, out of the league if he didn't have Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Nick Foles. No. Come on. Don't waste my time. Come on. <laughs> Nick yeah, Foles. I can't even beat up Gardner Minshew. I, I didn't have him on the list, but because of what again, I'm looking at look look at what he did with that playoff run. I had I had to at least put him on. You know what I mean? He went in the playoffs, he played big in Peterson system. I had to put him on. I'm not taking him either, but I had to put him on the list. Cam Newton, healthy. Yes. Yes. Hands if he's healthy. Yeah. If he's healthy, yes. Agree 110 percent Kyler Murray. With oh. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think I would. I think so too. I think I'm he's going to be a Murray. problem. I hadn't even thought of that one as being a possibility that you would yeah. bring up, but I would take Murray. I think he. I mean, I, I got in an argument with with my brother because he's a Titans fan. He he was mad that AJ Brown didn't get offensive rookie and that Murray did. Murray passed for thirty seven hundred yards as a rookie, and he ran for almost six hundred more. He only had twelve interceptions. I mean, 
he was phenomenal. It's one of the best rookie seasons the league's ever seen. Yeah, All I right. agree. So before I give the results, did I miss anybody? I don't think I did, but is there anybody else that you guys can think of? Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Cousins is the one I thought was going to Oh, I had him written down. I forgot. Okay, I had Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. Sorry, I had him written down. I forgot to say him. No, no. And I don't get why Kyle Shanahan is so enamored with this guy. He's nothing special. Hell no. I was so glad they got Garoppolo because that shielded us from Kirk Cousins. I would say talent-wise, they're almost... They were eerily similar because they are. They even have similar strengths and weaknesses. But Jimmy's a better leader. I don't think Kirk is a very good leader. I don't think he's terrible, but he's not a very good leader. All right. So at the end of the day, we had eleven quarterbacks. I would have had thirteen because I would have taken. I would take a Brad, take Brady or Breeze. But we had eleven quarterbacks that we would say that we would take over Garoppolo. We had Mahomes. Roethlisberger, Watson, Wilson, Rogers, Matt Ryan, Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, Stafford, Newton, and Kyler Murray, which I'm sure we're going to take a lot of heat for on that one on Twitter, the Kyler Murray one. But we we had 11. Um, I'd say Brady and Breeze too um, for 13. So we're saying Jimmy's just right out of the top 10, I guess. Right as a quarterback, you you can you can do a lot worse than that. So yeah, I think we range probably from. I think I was probably the high side at maybe seven or eight. And I'm not sure which one of you two were lower, but I had Jimmy. I think Al, you were probably lowest, but still had, all of us, I think probably had him in the top 12 or 13. Yeah. I had him 12, 13. Yeah. Yep. What were we going to say, Seth? I want to see Jimmy next year because, you know, everyone talks about this offense and how hard it is to learn. And Garoppolo wasn't studying the playbook all offseason because he was trying to come back from the ACL. Right. That was part of the cost of that injury was the cost of development in terms of that. So even though Jimmy did a lot of really good things this year, I was not happy with how he played in the Super Bowl. I think that some of his flaws became evident. And I'd like to see now with a healthy offseason, get him get in the playbook and let's see what he looks like. Is he still making those same mistakes next year? Because if he is, I would not be opposed to moving on. I think it's a big make-or-break year for Garoppolo. I mean, you you would you said you would like to see Garoppolo. I don't think anybody doesn't want to see Garoppolo, right, ladies? I mean, everybody wants to see Garoppolo, except for Mike Florio. Uh, yeah, Mike Florio just he is, he is not a Garoppolo guy. He's not I, sold. No, I don't know yeah. how deep we can go into the Florio conversation. So it's best we probably stay away from it, <laughs> considering. Your day job. <laughs> and, and, and you mentioned, you mentioned the, the Matt Ryan thing stats. So 2015, Matt Ryan, Falcons were 8-8. Eight and eight. Ryan completed 66% of his passes, 4,500 yards, 21 TDs, 16 picks. Um, and he had, what was his yards per attempt? 7.5. And then the next season was the MVP year where he, had, he completed 70% of his passes, 4,900 yards, 38 touchdowns, 7 picks. He had a 9.3 yards per attempt. So yeah, he just skyrocketed. I mean, that's a monster year. That's one of the all-time. I mean, he's great. Um, and they lit it up in the playoffs too that year. So yeah, let's see what year two brings before we can we can really judge. He just he had he had a rough game on the biggest stage. And like you said, there's so many people who don't watch the 49ers. They have no idea what happened this season. That the claws are going to come out, and people are emotional right now. And you know, we even you know we 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 were critical today, and that's part of our job. That's part of what we do. And and we're here to talk about this one game, but overall he had, he had a good year. Let's see what happens next year before we're ready to cut ties with him is is what I would say. And with that, I think we should talk about before we go 
just we're going to have an overall kind of off-season preview once franchise tags are decided in a couple of weeks. Kind of hard to do that right now, not knowing who the top free agents will be. But with that, what's kind of your brief overview of what the Niners should be targeting to do this off-season? We've all agreed Garoppolo should be kept. So outside of the quarterback position, where should the Niners go? Wide receiver. What are you know? I when you look at this team, D, Debo. I love Debo. Love Debo moving forward. But that, that's all you got because Emmanuel Sanders played. You know, he gave them a shot in the arm when he first came here, but he wasn't the same guy down the stretch. And he's going to be thirty-two, and he hasn't really been, stayed healthy. Maybe if you can get him out of one-year type deal to bring him back, sure. But he's not somebody that you're going to commit to long-term. Dante Pettis is off this team. Forget about. He's not even an option. Marcus Good was good. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 comical what happened with him. Um, Marquis Goodwin is obviously gone. Kendrick Bourne's, you know, yeah, for a fourth or fifth guy, if you want to keep him around, but he's not somebody I'd build the offense around. And then people want to point to, well, Trent Taylor and Hurd are coming back. We don't know what Hurd is. Hurd hasn't Maybe. played down in the NFL. What was that? Maybe they're coming back. I Maybe, mean, yeah. I wouldn't and be shocked. Trent Taylor is, I mean, I don't, you guys, I assume you guys saw that news where he was actually dealing with a very serious injury under the yeah. radar. Uh, and that, so that was, that was going to be my point. Very, I'm sorry, you can't count on Trent Taylor. He hasn't played in two years. Mm-hmm. We're going to count on Trent Taylor? Trent, yeah, great. He has a good report with Garoppolo. He has not played in two years, and Jalen Hurd has never played. So they need to go out, and they need to make wide receiver a priority. And I'm not, I know I know you like OBJ, or at least you did stats last time I talked, or we talked about it, but um, whether it's they go out and get a get a brand name like him, or I don't know, like an AJ Green or somebody like that if he's available, or they this draft is incredibly deep, incredibly deep at wide receiver, but they have to, have to, have to bring in somebody to help Debo and Kittle in the passing game. Right. I, I think, I, I think what they need is a guy who can take the top off. Emmanuel Sanders did that to a certain degree. Obviously he got behind the defense on that play that Jimmy missed the throw, but he's not truly that guy. They need a speed freak to truly open up this offense. It doesn't have to, I'm not saying, you know, you can't go out and find a speed freak. Who's a number one receiver. That's not what I'm saying. Those don't grow on trees. They don't leave the teams they're on because teams will pay to keep them. But they need to get somebody who can at least be a threat and can go over the middle on a deep post or go deep and truly be a threat to get behind the defense to make the defense back up a bit. I totally agree. You need someone that can make a play outside the numbers. I mean, everything Jimmy throws is over the middle of the field. It's insane. He almost never throws it to the sideline because they just don't have that kind of guy that can get open and stress defenses. So I totally agree on the wide receiver. But if I had to pick another position, I have to go defensive back, specifically cornerback. Mm-hmm. I mean, Akella Witherspoon was great up until he wasn't. Like, he, he was having a monster year, and then he got hurt, and he never came back the same guy. And Sherman... I'm done with Sherman. I was telling I was telling you, Levin and Zane all year that he was gonna get burnt because he can't run because he's old and his he has one functioning Achilles. And they need a guy that can lock it down. And they don't have that right now. And I I hope that they can get it, although I don't know where the reinforcements are coming, guys, because you got a first round pick and then nothing until the fifth round. So you might have to just Go back to you know, go back to battle with the guys that you have here. I don't know how many additions they're going to be able to make, but there are definitely some places for improvement on the 49ers. You know, I think they'll trade back with that first round pick to get a couple more picks. I, I would think because they do have to address the receiver. Maybe they pick up a guard somewhere. We have to see what happens with the free agents. I mean, I do as much as possible to try to try you know for an encore here. 
bring as many of these guys back as you can, but I don't think they're going to sign Eric Armstead. He's going to cost too much. Not when you have to extend Kittle and you have to pay Buckner. They should uh, cut I, Ford. Well, that's interesting stats because see, again, looking at where this team is and how close they are to winning, I bring Ford back because of how important that pass rush was. And you saw what happened in the games Ford didn't play. So yeah, he's, he's, he's a lot of money. But I, I think it's worth bringing him back to make another run at a Super Bowl. And listen, Armstead had a huge season. He had 10 sacks this year, but he had 10 sacks in his career up until this year. So as good as Armstead is, and, and he's a great run defender, and I always thought he was better than he got credit for, be a little bit leery of that contract season. Because if you're going to pay him $30 million guaranteed or whatever it's going to be to get him back or whatever, it's going to be a big number. You know, is, is he going to be the same, the same guy this year? And then they could use that money maybe elsewhere. So if I had to pick, if I'm looking to win a Super Bowl next year, I, I think I'd bring Ford back just because how dominant he is when you pair him with, with Nick Bosa. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask that straight up because I, I, I've said before, uh, I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head. It, it was something like 9.7 million. It, something like that is what they can save on next season's cap by cutting D Ford. And obviously a lot more after that. Um, but it could very well come down to a decision between keep D Ford and know that you're only probably going to get 10. If you get 10 games from him, you go, great. I think that's probably about the over and under you can expect on him because his issues aren't going to go away. Mm-hmm. Or re-sign Armstead and have an extremely expensive defensive line coming up because you're going to be extending Buckner, maybe even the same off season, which then is going to have two guys on the playing the same position with huge contracts signed at the same time, instead of it being a little more staggered because D Ford has already had his biggest cap hit. I think that's, that that's something it's hard to decide. Well, and the, the frustrating, not frustrating, but the, the scary part is because they're, they've paid Garoppolo and because they're going to have to pay Buckner and Kittle and Armstead and the guys you mentioned, that means they have to hit on their draft picks because you have mm-hmm. to get players, cheap players that outperform their contracts if you're going to make deep runs. You absolutely have to. And they've been very strong in the draft this regime. And I hope it continues because I think without that, you're not going to be able to build the depth that you need to make a deep playoff run and win a Super Bowl. I will say one thing that this season will help in and may bear fruit this offseason is once you've shown you can win and be as good as the Niners were and have the prospectus to be every bit as good next year, those free agents who don't get the contracts they were hoping for and look for a cheap one-year deal to prove themselves will be very attracted to this Niners team and there could be some pretty good bargains. I mean, I think we can all agree mm-hmm. the Niners don't need a star level player. They need they need some quality vets who can come in and eat some minutes whether it's starting or being a top backup. They don't mm-hmm. need the super crazy contract out there. And those are the type of guys that could be very attracted to coming to this Niners team because of what they just did. No disagreement, yeah. I take it. No, and I was going to say it would be nice if um, Solomon Thomas can kind of hit some of that potential too. That would solve some issues if he could actually step up. But I uh, just don't think he's anything more. Than if he could have, he would have. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's going to happen. It's, it's just not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good point, though, Levin. You know, maybe they can get some of these cheap guys to come in and 
and you just kind of plug holes for a year or two while they they have guys like Bosa and, and Buckner around them and, and and still be good. And and if Garoppolo does take that next step, they may score enough points for it doesn't matter next year. You know, they may be putting up 30, 35 a game. So we'll we'll see how it goes, but it's gonna be an interesting offseason, that's for sure. All right. Well, to wrap this up, I did want to end with more of a positive note, and I'm kind of surprising you guys with this because uh I, I didn't put this on the list, but I wanted to wrap it with what are your thoughts on this season? As great as it was, I mean, it didn't end the way we wanted, but nobody saw this season coming prior, you know, prior to it. Nobody was thinking they're going to be 15 and three in position to win the Super Bowl. So give some overall thoughts on what this season was for you. It was surprising and fun and then miserable. And I know that no one expected us to make the run, but once you're in the Super Bowl and you're one game away from a title and then you're a half away from a title and then you're seven minutes away from a title with a 10-point lead and you don't win the title, that is a huge disappointment. And no matter how many Super Bowls they make going forward, if they make more, and no matter how many they win, if they win more, they can never get this one back and that's never not going to hurt. If you they were a four-win team last year, but they really weren't a four-win team. If Garoppolo doesn't get hurt, I think they're eight and eight, you know, maybe nine and seven, maybe seven and nine. They're a seven and nine sort of win team. And they would have done that with absolutely no pass rush. And then you look at what they did this and they couldn't create turnovers on defense. The defense was was really, really pretty porous last year. And you look what they did in this offseason, they had two dominant pass rushers in Ford. In Bosa, they had a huge playmaker in Quan Alexander, who, who I was wrong about. You know, the, the guy just makes plays. So I did have an expectation that this team was going to be good. I did not think they would be this good. Um, it was, it was like said, said, a surprising year and a fun year. You know, it was just a lot of memories during the season, so many close games and, and so much growth with the players. And, you know, they really seeing how good Bosa is and the fact that you have this franchise piece now. I mean, they have one of the best defensive players in the league now in him. And that's, that was a huge surprise to see that Garoppolo. And again, it didn't end well, but he was, he, he bounced back from the ACL. He did. He had a good season. He didn't have a great season. You know, he wasn't Patrick Mahomes, but he had a very good season. You saw, they haven't hit on a wide receiver really what since TO no, well, you could say Crabtree in, in, I think they had, they have hit on one now in Debo Samuel. Um, you could, you see how they're plugging in running backs to this team and anybody can kind of come in from Mostert to breed it to Coleman and in this offense just works because, because of Kyle Shanahan having said that, how impressive it was and how fun it was. And again, that was something that a lot of people said to me, well, we weren't supposed to be here. Well, I look at it like this. The Niners were not a team who played over their head all year and got to the Super Bowl and all shucks. We just couldn't hang, you know, they were the best, most complete team in football. And they were three plays from being 18 and 0 heading into the Super Bowl. They were three plays. If McLaughlin makes that kick, if they make the third and one against Baltimore, and if they make the tackle on Julio Jones, they are 18 and 0 heading into the Super Bowl. And they were the better team in the Super Bowl. And they had a 20 to 10 lead in the Super Bowl. And if they just played their game, they would have won the Super Bowl. So I think stats hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a miserable ending for a team that, well, maybe a lot of people didn't expect them to be here. If you watch them all year, you know that they deserve to be here. So it's it's a bit of a, I, I guess it's it's just an unsatisfied feeling. It's a what could have been feeling. It's one that's going to take a long time to get over because this team belongs here. 
and there's no, you never know what's going to happen. There's no guarantee they're going to get back. And I just feel like they had that championship in their grasp and, and they let it slip through. So for all the good times I remember during the season, it, it's, it's a bitter taste to end it with. I think one thing that I will remember is when I think back to the regular season, this is the most I've enjoyed a 49ers regular season since I've been a fan. Became a fan in third grade in 95 right after they won the Super Bowl. Didn't realize that for much many years later, but that's when I became a fan. So I wasn't there for the Super Bowl victories. This is the most fun, most enjoyment I've gotten out of a regular season. I One thing that I will take with me from this season is that Nick Bosa is a defensive player of the year in waiting. He is arguably already better than his brother, who in and of himself is an all-pro level defensive end. And I will take from this, obviously, what you guys have touched on, the bitter pit-in-the-stomach feeling of what happened in the Super Bowl. It's not going to be able to go away. I will treat this like I do the previous Super Bowl, where I really don't think about it. For just before, sorry, before we go, guys, I just want to say too, in 11, you mentioned you became a fan and after they won the Super Bowl. And for your generation that didn't see those Super Bowls, the 49ers are the new tortured fan base. Think about this decade. You had five, 10 lost seasons where it was just brutal. They're brutal. You had four amazing seasons that ended in absolute gut punches. You had four 10 plus one seasons or 11 plus one seasons, whatever they were, five, 10 lost seasons in, in, in the 10 plus one season. Kyle Williams kicks away a Super Bowl. Uh, you have you have them losing at the end in the Super Bowl to the Ravens with the fade patterns and Frank Gore not touching the ball. You have the punch in the gut with Bowman tearing his ACL and the turnovers in Seattle, and then you have this happen. So this new generation of 49ers fans have been tortured. I'm sorry. If you see a 49ers fan, give them a hug because they probably need it right now. Um, and I just hope at some point they can, they can, they can turn it around. Cause, um, you know, the people who saw the ones in the eighties and the nineties, it may hurt a little bit less, but for the, for the newer fans like you Levin, it's, it, it's been a, it's been a tough ride. And the last point I'll make before we close this, the thing I'm going to take with me this off season until we see what happens next, next season is fear because in 47 years, there's been exactly one team that lost the Super Bowl and went on to win it the next year. And that was the Patriots just a handful of years ago when they were in the middle of their dynasty. It is extremely difficult to lose a Super Bowl and still remain a dominant team. So this is going to be a nervous offseason for me, and I'm going to have to wait until next season to see what happens. But that's my final thought on what I'm going to take from this season. And I think that's a good place to end it. We'll be back for some off-season podcasts, but until then, have a great night, Faithful. This has been another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. So here we are, the week after the Super Bowl, and as we already know by now, the 49ers went down to the Kansas City Chiefs 31-20, to 20, and there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to talk about, uh, a lot of emotions running high, a lot of things that people are saying, uh, both from a team and on Twitter and all these things that we can get into. But 
I want to first start off by saying that uh, the overarching thing is that I feel like the Niners uh, did a lot more than anybody would have ever expected. Nobody expected them to go to the Super Bowl this year and certainly have a chance to win the Super Bowl uh, against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs and a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. But I think that the that's a testament to Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and the, and the coaching staff of the 49ers to get the most out of everybody and to be able to put them in a position to be able to get to the Super Bowl and ultimately win it in the end. And and even though they came up short, I think the future is bright for this team. They have a lot of young players, a lot of young players under contract. Uh, they have a really good head coach in Kyle Shanahan, a really good defense. Jimmy Garoppolo, although he, he didn't have the best Super Bowl as a, a budding star in this league, and there's a lot to look forward to for the 49ers. And I think that once we step back from the Super Bowl loss and and the impact of what has happened in Miami, I think that we'll realize that this is actually a really good football team. And it's not just a one year wonder and they are going to be around. Now, that being said, getting into the game itself, you know, I, I, it was just so interesting to me because I all week long, I knew kind of the way that this game would go. I thought that it would be a plotting game where it was just like a knockdown, slug it out sort of game where each yard would be coming very difficult for each team and and while that wasn't the case the entire time it was a it was a tie game at half and tied at 10 and the Niners did a lot of great things they came out the first drive and they had a, a few gadget plays to Debo and and they got a lot of uh, chunks chunks of yardage and that drive ultimately stalled and and Kashan had decided to kick the field goal on a fourth and two what's interesting to me is that the defense came out firing and, and Kansas City went three and out on their opening drive and it was a really really good performance by the defense to hold them to 10 points in the first half. Now, when you think about the 49ers and, and what they mean and, and what they do, it's, it's a defensive football team. It's a team that can run the ball and nobody really thinks about the passing offense. And Jimmy in the first half, look, he had that really bad interception where there was, there was pressure coming up the middle and Chris Jones absolutely destroyed my person. And, and, the Chiefs D tackle was able to, the other D tackle was able to get in for the hit and force that interception. That's something that can happen. I think that as Jimmy gets gets older and, and more experienced in the league, he's going to realize that you either have to pull that down for the sack or you, if you're trying to throw it out of bounds, you got to get it all the way out of bounds. You can't just chuck it up for grabs. And he's done that several times throughout the course of the year. Uh, he did that against Green Bay and, and uh, sorry, he did that against Minnesota and Kendrick Bourne came down with a, with a big catch. It's just, he, he can't be doing that. And that that's one that killed the team at the time. It was three points. And um, luckily, defense was able to hold Kansas City off of, off of the, the scoreboard for a touchdown. But it's little things like that that, that set you back. And really, the, the first half was kind of one of those things where it looked like the Niners were almost, I don't know, Kyle Shanahan was coaching this game scared. And the defense was playing a little bit off and soft because they didn't want to get beat by the, by the big play. and ultimately. Um, they they were successful for for three quarters, three and a half quarters of the game with their game plan. And the the play before the half with George Kittle, I want to say one thing. I want to say that officials do not decide the outcome of games. Uh, to say that a game is rigged or to say that the game is is decided by the officials ahead of time is ridiculous. I, I don't I don't believe in that at all, and I and that's not the case in any sport. Having been an athlete myself, like it's it's really imagine it's really hard for an official to rig a game for a team to win, right? With so many variables. So just get that out of your minds right now. But the play to George Kittle before the half where Kyle Shanahan on the ensuing drive before the Niners got the ball did not call timeout. 
and let the clock run down to uh, about a minute left um, and, and let the Chiefs basically punt it away with three timeouts and subsequently tried to make something happen on a big play to Kittle, which in my mind was not a penalty. Kyle Rudolph and the Vikings won the game against the Saints earlier in the playoffs on that same exact sort of motion where Ru- Rudolph extended his arm and caught the ball for a touchdown, and, and, the, and there was no call there. So to me, the consistency of the NFL officiating is something that that is terrible. It's it's something that's been a problem for years. It's something that, uh, to me, I think that it speaks to the the overall quality of the product declining more, declining more than anything. Like the, the quality of fishing has officiating has declined so far, and it affects the quality of the product itself. So I think that you're driving away more people by having really crappy officials than you are by by kneeling or having crappy games or whatever it may be. I, I just think that the quality of the game is declining because the quality of officiating is, is really poor too. So the officials missed many other calls in the game. We won't really get into them. There were a lot of holding calls missed. There were um, calls on Kansas City offsides that were missed. There was a delay of game on the fourth quarter, the last drive of the game that should have stopped that play from even happening. And who knows what happened on fourth down, but that did not ultimately lose the 49ers the game and didn't. And as 49ers fans, you have to realize that your team had the lead in the fourth quarter and they failed to convert that into a win. And to me, that in itself is inexcusable. Like if, if you are running it down their throat to the tune of six and a half yards of carry the entire game and you choose to start throwing the ball on second and five with less than six minutes left in a three-point lead, if you choose to start throwing the ball at that point in time to, I, I don't know what, what you were trying to do. Like Tom Shanahan talk, talks about trying to move the chains and things like that. I, I, I failed to realize, I failed to, to realize how that game plan come to, came into his mind. Like, I don't know how you don't understand that you can still move the chains by running the ball as well. And this is one of those things where I said to you guys earlier in the season, like when the Niners lost to Seattle, I said that, Kyle Shanahan's game management is going to cost him at some point, and I hope it's not going to be in a big, in a big game. And it was ultimately in the biggest of games. And look, it's not Kyle; it's not all Kyle's fault. I am not saying this entire game is Kyle Shanahan's fault. It's not his fault, but he deserves a lion's share of blame here because his offense had a chance to do something, anything in the fourth quarter, and they didn't. They let the Chiefs come back and score twenty-one unanswered points, which is in a in a Super Bowl with this defense. What the type of season the 49ers have had is is absolutely ridiculous. Like if you told me that they would do that at the beginning of, of the game, I would be like, you're 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 a bold faced liar. You're you're BSing me. And that's exactly what happened. And that's how quickly the Chiefs can score. Um thinking about Jimmy's performance, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. There was a good portion of the game where you could argue that he was outperforming Patrick Mahomes, where after Mahomes threw that second pick, you could say that, well, Jimmy looks like he might be the Super Bowl MVP because he had a really he was completing a lot of his passes. He had good yardage. He had the one touchdown and the pick. And he was, you know, he was kind of moving the ball down the field a little bit with the team. And maybe that's why Kyle got a little bit of confidence in him in the end and tr- started trying to throw the ball. But I, I just don't know. I, I put this out on Twitter and I don't want to say that Kajan is never going to win a big one. That's 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 a really dumb thing to say, and that's a short-sighted thing to say because Andy Reid had a lot of the same failings in his early career as a head coach as well with, with Philadelphia. And he ultimately got to, to the, get to the big game again and win the biggest prize in the game. But I don't want to say that Kyle Shanahan is going to follow that career, same career arc. I don't, I don't want to say that he's never going to win a Super Bowl. Like that's, that's ridiculous. But I question, can he get over the hump with his current way of thinking? Can he get over the hump with this 
current roster comprised the way that it is? Or is he going to have to break out of that mindset and be like, look, I'm going to have to start running the ball a little bit more than I'm comfortable with to be able to ice some of these games. I don't know. That's a question for him to answer. He's going to have to look in the mirror today. He's going to have to look at all of those guys that don't have a Super Bowl ring and answer to them and be like, look, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I didn't do my part to help us help us win this game. Just like Richard Sherman came out and he said he didn't do his part. And Jimmy came out and he's, you know, they, they're all talking about how they all needed to do their part. Kyle Shannon needs to do that too. He needs to take ownership of this as well because part of this, the majority of this falls on him and the coaching staff. They relaxed. They thought that this thing was in the bag. Seven minutes left. Like, look, honestly, I'm, look, I'm a fan. I'm allowed to think that way because I'm not calling the plays, right? I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to, to get in there and make the tough decisions. But to me, and, and I don't usually do this, to me, I thought they were going to win the game. When it was seven minutes left and the Niners were up by two scores and it was third and 15 and it was right after that overturn to the, the, the pass that Tyreek Hill caught that was overturned, I was like, okay, they're going to get off the field here. They're going get to the, get the ball back. They need one drive, one solid drive, take about five minutes, four or five minutes off the clock. It doesn't matter if you score just take that time off the clock and the game is yours. And ultimately the defense fell asleep. Tyreek Hill got that long, long reception. And that's basically the play that turned the game. And that's basically the, the fuel that in Casey needed to ignite the fire. Uh, that is their offense. They're a really, really great offense. They are as good of an offense as you will see in the NFL today. And Patrick Mahomes is as good of a quarterback as you will see in the NFL today. And all they need is a little sliver of hope. They're like, if, if uh, you guys are into basketball, they're like uh, a team that goes on like a, like a huge run. Like when the Houston Rockets are, are making a bunch of threes or when the Golden State Warriors, when they had Kevin Durant and, and Clay Thompson, Curry all healthy, then when they would go on a, a, you know, a huge run where they hit a barrage of threes and, and pull away from a team. That's what the Chiefs are, basically. And you're only going to hold them for so long. And I, was, I tweeted this out, too, at some point in the game. I was like, you know, it's, at some point, Patrick Mahomes is going to push it. And he's going to take a shot, and the defense needs to be ready for it. And it was third and 15. Yes, Bosa was held on that, but it doesn't matter because the, the, the back end of the secondary totally broke down. Yes, you can say that Bosa may have gotten there, but it doesn't matter. The guys have to cover all the way to, la- all the, way to the whistle, and they didn't. They, they were doing it all the way up until that point, and they didn't at that, at that juncture of the game, and it cost them big time. And it sucks because that's one play that turned the entire game, but I do have to say that uh, when it comes down to it, that's what happens in the Super Bowl. One play can, inter- can turn an entire game. And I think that the Niners, they outplayed the Chiefs for the great majority of the game. The Chiefs showed up for basically, their offense showed up for basically six minutes of the game, and it was the most important six minutes of the season. So uh, I know it hurts for 49ers fans. I know it sucks. I know that it's going to be a long offseason, and, and there's going to be a lot of questions about Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. Rightfully so. After this game, those questions are all valid. I think that right now the the question falls that is Jimmy good enough to lead this offense? And I'm not saying that he's never going to get better, but right now he's not good enough to win a championship with. And that's the truth because he showed that in the game. Uh, He missed that pass to Emmanuel Sanders. Like you have to ask yourself, how many quarterbacks make that throw? How many quarterbacks make that completion for the touchdown? And that would, uh, that would put them ahead and maybe win the game because the chiefs would have had time to come back if they, they needed to, but how many quarterbacks, complete that pass. And I think that if you're an elite quarterback and you consider yourself an elite quarterback, you have to, you have to make that throw. And I look, I'm a Jimmy guy. I have the guy's Jersey, right? I, I love Jimmy as a quarterback. I think that he is the right quarterback for this team, but I think that everything happened a year too early. I think that, and I'm not complaining about it. It was, it was a great run, but I think that they needed another year in the system to be able to get used to it. And people typically say that in the Kyle Shanahan system, it takes two years. 
Matt Ryan in the second year was amazing. He was the MVP in the second year, second full year starter uh, in Kyle Shanahan's system. So I think that next year, what's going to happen is that you're going to see maybe a drop off on the defense because they won't be able to keep everybody. I think Armstead may walk, Jimmy Ward may walk, but you'll see the offense take a big step up. So hopefully that will be enough to take them uh, close to, if not all the way again, although the odds are not in their favor. Most Super Bowl teams, the losers don't get back uh, for a while. Uh, the exceptions to that rule are Peyton Manning. When they lost to Seattle, he came back two years later and beat, uh, beat the Carolina Panthers. And Tom Brady, as we know, lost to the, the Eagles and came back the next year and, and, and beat the Rams. So all of that <laughs> being unpacked, I'm really happy and proud of the Niners for what they accomplished this season. It was, it was a really good season. They were really great when it came down to uh, winning a lot of close games. They won in Seattle. It was really memorable. I thought they were going to pull it off. They didn't pull it off. But, uh, you know, I'm pissed. Uh, I, I was actually hurt at the end of that Baltimore game. I was really sad that the first Super Bowl loss because it broke the streak. This time I'm just pissed. I'm just pissed at Kyle and pissed at the team because they pissed it away. They, they choked. And they, they know that more than anybody. But that being said, there, there is a silver lining that this team is young. It has a lot of really, really talented players. It's not a talent issue. That's not why they lost the game. It fell on coaching. And I think that Kyle, hopefully, if he didn't learn from 28 to 3, he's going to learn from this. He's been on the, the losing end of the two worst Super Bowl collapses in history. So I think that hopefully that's something that's going to be humbling and, and get him a little bit of humility to be able to make the right calls the next time. And, and as far as Jimmy goes, you got to make throws, man. That's why they pay you the big bucks. And I hope that this will be something that lights a fire under them. George Kittle and Quan Alexander are talking about how this is going to be revenge season 2020, and we'll have to see. But that being said, you don't have the element of surprise. A lot of people didn't think that they would be this good, and you surprise a lot of people, and I think that that, that has an effect. Next year, everybody's going to be gunning for you. I think that's one of the most frustrating things is that it's hard enough to get to the Super Bowl, but everything fell right for the Niners this year. They won the division. They beat Seattle on the last day of the year for the number one seed in home field. They smashed those two teams in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl. They had everybody healthy in the Super Bowl and a favorable matchup against a, a run defense that was not very good. And they were winning the game. All of that being said, they still somehow lost. Like If you were to tell me the Niners would be able to run all over the, the Chiefs and have over 100 yards rushing and average almost seven yards carry, they intercepted Patrick Mahomes twice. They were leading by two scores in the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter, and still lost. I, I wouldn't believe you, yet they did. So uh, I, I think the disappointment is, is real, and I think it's okay to be disappointed. I, I think that we should keep everything in perspective. I think that it's important to look at this uh, uh, as a glass half full sort of scenario because this is just kind of scratching the surface. This was year one of contending for them, and they're going to be around for a while. Uh, I think that there'll be several more years of contention from this team. They know how good they are. They know how good they can be. And they got beat by one of the greatest quarterbacks in the game today. So it's, it's nothing to hang your head over. I know it's, we don't go for moral victories around here, but that's kind of the, the, the things you have to hold on to for an off season that will get you through the off season. So we're going to have a, a previous show for the, the draft and free agency. I mean, this sucks. I know it's, it's hard, but um, 49ers fans hold your heads up high. Um, there are brighter days ahead. They are no longer uh, the, the, one of the league's bottom feeders. This will be an elite team once again. So um, really just hang in there and, and uh, it's going to suck for a while. But uh, once training camp starts and season starts, we'll forget about it and we try to make another run at it. So, um, you know, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, the 2020 season is upon us officially with the new league year in March with free agency. Um, 2019 didn't end the way that, that we wanted to, but uh, hopefully next year we get, get back and get at them again.